Hello and welcome to the Daily Royal. My name is Shelby and I have been a royal watcher for the past 10 years. In this podcast, I talk about the daily events of seven of the European monarchies. So I talk about Belgium, the UK, Denmark, the Netherlands, Norway, Spain, and Sweden. I upload Monday through Friday with occasional bonus episodes here and there. In today's episode, we are actually focusing on one specific series of events um, on July 22nd in Norway. Um, Today was the 10th anniversary of a horrible terrorist attack uh, on the in the country 10 years ago and so today's episode is going to cover um, what that attack was what the motivations were um, and then dive specifically into how the royal family um, responded 10 years ago and what events took place specifically today to mark this occasion I wanted to do an episode like this on this specific event for a couple of reasons. Uh, One, it is something that I wanted to do a good amount of research on and go in depth on um, and spend some time, like a full episode's length of time, talking about. Um, So that's reason number one. Reason number two is some people may not want to listen to something that is so sad. Um, and can be very triggering for people. And so I wanted to respect that as well. Um, and keep this separate from the everyday episode. Of course, in the everyday podcast, we do talk about sad things and, you know, that's something that is unavoidable, um, because I'm talking about real events every day. However, something this intense and this in-depth and, um, researched is something that I don't think everyone will want to hear, and that's okay. Um, for those of you who do want to hear it, thank you. And for those of you who don't, that's totally fine. It's just something that I really wanted to do, um, and to share. So that is what we're going to do. So the, the, um, the schedule, it's not really a schedule. The outline for this is going to be broken down, is broken down into three parts, um, a history of what the attack was, how the royal, the Norwegian royal family responded 10 years ago, um, and then the events, so there were a series of events today, um, to commemorate the anniversary. So I want to talk about those. Um, so that is what this episode is going to be. Please stick around if this is something you're interested in hearing in, and if not, uh, thanks for going in this far, and uh, I'll talk to you in the next episode whenever that may come out. Uh, it'll be at least after the weekend. Um, okay, so July 22nd, 2011, there was an attack, obviously, on Norway that The 
the uh, that was life changing to everybody there. Um, so there were two locations where this terrorist attack took place. Um, in the Oslo city center, which like the government quarter of the city center, um, followed by an island called Utoya or Utoya, um, which held a summer camp, essentially. Um, and it was a right-wing extremist domestic terrorist who carried this out. I am not going to share his name, that information is widely available, um, but I am of the, the mindset of not giving attention to the names of these people and rather focusing on the event itself. Like, that's just something that is really important to me. So, he was a right-wing extremist. Um, who very much was a white nationalist, um, kind of, it, it, it's easy to say that, um, but Europe is a little different in their white nationalism and that it's more, it is white nationalism, first and foremost, but it's more directed at total nationalism, um, in that there is this argument throughout a lot of Europe that is everyday people did not invite or necessarily want, and this is a crap argument, but I'm just saying it so you understand the mindset, um, refugees or people, uh, refugees specifically, um, to infiltrate their national beliefs. So this is a very far right, also far white idea um, that is crap, but people have it. Um, and this is what this guy believed. So at the time, Norway was governed by a liberal uh, party, the Labour Party in Norway, and so, um, this terrorist decided that an attack on the government quarter would cause essentially a coup, um, and have a new government be built with more, uh, nationalistic ideas. So, he parked a van with a bomb inside and blew up, uh, I believe the main building it was parked right outside of was the prime minister's office building. Um, however, the prime minister was not in the physical office. He was at home, uh, in his residence doing something. Um, I think a meeting is what I've seen portrayed, but I'm not sure if that's what was actually occurring. Um, and there were a, f a few casualties, uh, there, 
and any is of course too many um but it was a relatively given the horrible it could have been it was a less horrible it was still terrible but it was a less horrible thing I guess um and then this man drove a different vehicle to a campground on the island of Utoya, pretending to be a police officer after the Oslo bombing to protect the children. Well, they weren't children because this was a camp for young members of the Labor Party, future leaders, young members of the Labor Party, which is a thing I did not know until today. I kind of just always assumed it was like a teenage summer camp, uh, which to some degree it was, but there were people, uh, like young adults there, um, really taking part in this working party ideas and just being part of that culture and learning new things and developing their skills and just really becoming a member of that political party. And so this man somehow managed, because he was dressed as a police officer, to trick the camp director into take into having him take the ferry to the island where he then shot and killed dozens of young people young political minded people and uh he was arrested on site, has never denied doing it. Uh, and it was pretty atrocious, obviously. Um, and so that is what the attack was. Altogether, 77 people lost their lives. And, um, a Later, it was shared that one in every four Norwegians knew someone in, impacted by the Oslo and Utoya attacks. Which is, I mean, Norway is small, so it's not a shocking number, but it is hugely impactful. Um, and then as a whole, a even 10 years ago, a fairly liberal country in terms of acceptance um, and extremely welcoming to refugees, um, everyone was shocked. So that was the attack. Um, the next thing I wanted to talk about was the royal family's response. So, 
the night of, this was, you know, it's summertime. If you guys are daily listeners to this ep- to this podcast, you know that by now it's very slow. Um, you know, it it's a very slow period of time. Royal families are on vacation. They're they're taking their summers. Um and that's what was happening. Um, so the royal family was not in Oslo. Um, they were out doing summer holiday things. Um, but by the night of the 22nd, it was reportedly like super late at night. I don't know the time exactly. Um, King Harald made his first statement where he expressed shock, um, in support of the victims and the families, um, and was really just rattled and talked a lot about, um, freedom. And that was his initial response. And then in the coming days, there were many things that were happening. Um, church services, candlelight vigils, uh, something, it was, I think they called it like a, a I think it was called like a rose parade, but it was a, a, a memorial. Um, they just attended a ton of things, candlelight services, so many different things, um, visited with survivors, visited with victims, families, like did all of the things that people come to expect of royals after tragedy. Um, however, a, a few days later, um, I want to get, so on the 25th, the attack was on the 22nd. On the 25th, the Norwegian royal household announced that the security guard of the camp uh, who was one of the first killed on the island was actually Crown Princess Metamarit's stepbrother. Um, so they, I, I do not want to speculate on their relationship. Honestly, nothing has ever really been shared about what their relationship was. Um, but this is someone who, of course, she knew um, by nature of her mother being married to his father. Um, and that level of connection, whether, you know, they maintained a relationship or anything like that, it, I'm not going to say, but that kind of connection is very rare in a royal family to have someone experience Um, And that just really speaks to this fact that, you know, one in every four knew someone. Um, And I think that gave it a level of um, connection in terms of sometimes you can feel so deeply of empathy for a thing. Like I, for example, feel an immense amount of empathy for this situation. It brings me to tears. It's horrible. Um, 
but I don't know anyone, right? So I am removed from the situation. In this case, Metamart really couldn't be um, any kind of detached. There, uh, there was no detachment. Um, and so I think that gave it a whole new level of like, not that it needed more level of emotion, but it gave it more. Um, and it was, of course, highly impactful um, and made international news that a relative of the royal family was um, a victim of the attack. That being said, um, multiple, I mean, families were suffering everywhere. Survivors were struggling with trauma and all of this. And it it rattled Norway. Um, if you're from the States, um, you, you know what it feels like if you're of a certain age. You know what it feels like to be rattled by something like this. Um, and the, the domestic side, you know, in the States at the time, really the worst thing we had experienced was of course 9-11 and that is still horrible and terrible. Um, but I would argue that the domestic stuff of late has been harder um, because it isn't this some great unknown, right? It's, it's people we grew up with um, coming and killing people in the streets or storming the Capitol building um, because they don't like certain beliefs and certain ideas. Um, and to some that can be extremely rattling. Um, this is not something I'm going to share now. Um, and I think I've briefly mentioned, but I experienced something like this, not to this extent, of course. Um, but for those of you who are from the States, the Charlottesville, uh, white nationalist rally, I was, I was living in Charlottesville at the time, um, was not at the rally or anything like that, but still to this day struggle with crowds and groups, um, because of PTSD. So, um, this happened to an entire nation, um, with this because, this is very much a, a minority way of thinking in Norway. And so it just, it rattled everybody. Um, so that was the initial response. There were continued um, anniversaries uh, in the, I think it was a month Later, there was a, like a national memorial held very similar to one that happened today where King Harald gave a speech. And I, I think this is the speech where he, with tears in his eyes, talked about how Norway accepts and loves everybody regardless of anything. Um, and, you know, people to this point, everyone still assumed that, like, royalty was stiff upper lip and, like, never let emotions show, which to some extent is still true to this day, but not in Norway. Like, 
that barrier was fully broken um, this day with King Harold, Queen Sonia. I mean, everyone was crying for good re- for obvious reason. Um, and it, it is a, a thing that has carried on. Like, I have seen that speech many times um, because it's so impassioned and uh, very much politically neutral while rejecting the fringe idea of nationalism, um, which carried even now into today. So today being the 10th anniversary, uh, there was a, a day full of events. Um, there were a lot of things, events happening today that we'll talk about. Um, but the main overarching theme was continuing to weed out this hate for people and live in an accepting, loving Norway. So today's events started with Crown Prince Akun and Crown Princess Metamarit at a um, memorial service at um, in the government quarters of Oslo, which of course was the site of the first attack. Um, they pretty much throughout all of the events, the current prime minister of Norway attended as well as the um, leader of like the working party group that hosted the camp at Utoya. So not the leader of the Labor Party, um, but like an in-the-weeds organizer person, uh, like on a national scale for the working party. Um, So they attended this event. It was, um, and all of these were combinations of speeches, musical interludes, um, and reading of victims' names, uh, and wreath-laying ceremonies. Um, So the first event was, of course, at the government quarter. Um, Then the next thing, King Harald and Queen Sonia attended um, a service at the Oslo Cathedral, Um, Also attended by the Prime Minister, I believe. I don't... There isn't a ton of... I didn't watch this one. um, And the few minutes I did see of the service, I did not see the the current Prime Minister. Um, That does not mean she wasn't there. I just mean... It just means I did not see her. Um, And so this was, of course, a Church of Norway service. Um to mark the anniversary, pray for the victims, pray for the survivors, um, and in general, Norway, um, having survived this horrible thing, um, and now 10 years on. Um, so then we go, um, to the island of Utoya, where Crown Prince Akun, Crown Princess Metamarit, and their daughter, Princess Ingrid Alexandra, um, attended that ceremony. So they um, 
took the ferry across to the island. Um, there were, um, there is a, a like a commemorative um, memorial that has the names of all the, the Utoyan victims. Um, it's called Lisningen. Um, so everyone, when they were departing the boat, uh, the ferry, were given bouquets of flowers to lay um, at this memorial. So there were um, survivors here, um, members of the Labor Party and the AUF, which is that working party. Um, and then there was, again, another... Um, sit down speeches and musical interludes. Akun gave a speech during this time um, where he talked about um, Utoya and the attack um, and talked about the, the, so this is again a working AUF camp. Um, it is a camp for Labor Party future leaders. Um, it is a, a way to, it was just turned into what it was. Um, you know, they, they came back and, and did the thing. Um, and, you know, he talks about it at the, at the very end, um, he says, quote, I am afraid that we as a society have not been good enough to listen and make room for all the emotions, all the traumas this day has given. I hope that this decade mark can help us find the right words, the right language so that we can move forward. And I think it is hard to talk about things like this. Um, it is very easy to not talk about them and to internalize them and even just forget they happened. Um, because talking about it and confronting it, and especially in this type of situation where it's a domestic attack um, based on political beliefs, uh, that is very hard. Um, it is hard to, one, understand that way of thinking that would lead to something like this, and then two, learn how, like, figure out within yourself what you can do to combat, combat that. Um, and I think that is, that comes with time, um, you know, in war-torn countries or countries that have had civil wars, they don't deal with it for, for decades uh, or even centuries um, because dealing with it is painful. And only generations on can you kind of grapple with something that big. Um, it's not the way it should be, but it's certainly the way it is. Um, and so I think like a decade mark is a, a good time to remember and really, if you were, you know, 
alive and we're scared during that time, you can certainly sit down and think about it. And if you were young, um, you know, you have these budding, beautiful, wonderful ideals of the world um, that this doesn't match with. And you can sit down and go, what can we do to be better? Um, and I think that's, that's right. Like, generations on from this attack, people will look at it and go, what can we do to be better? Um, and so I think that's what this alludes to is, is that. Um, so that was the, the ceremony on Utoya. Um, and then the, the day concluded with a ceremony much like the one on the month anniversary of the attack in the Oslo Spectrum, which is a, like, kind of the large, like, arena area um, that was attended by the entire royal family. So King Harald, Queen Sonia, Crown Prince Akun, Crown Princess Metamarit, Princess Ingrid Alexandra, and Prince Sphere Magnus were all there. And this was very much a... A ceremony combining the darkness of that time with the duty to continue and fight back against this kind of hatred, xenophobic, you name it, attitude that is just fundamentally wrong. Um, and really bringing a voice to this, this event. Um, so King Harald gave a speech at this event um, as well, talking about light being stronger than darkness um, and how out of, out of this horrible tragedy, um, there has been good and not that that's a reason, right? Like, I don't mean, oh, there's, there's good in the bad, like, yes, but he also then talked about the survivors and what they're doing now, 10 years later, and what they're, they're, they are so committed to making Norway wonderful for everyone, for everyone. Um, and so that's what he's talking about, like the light in this is stronger than the hatred of this one man and these fringe thinkers that still exist in Norway. Um, and so that was the day um, today. And I just want to say very quickly, um, I will probably talk about this maybe a little bit longer in another context, um, but to see the entirety of the 
three generations of, you know, current monarch and the two future monarchs of Norway coming together and being as affected by this as the next. Um, you know, King Harald still extremely affected by this. Crown Prince Akun was visibly affected a couple of times and so was Ingrid Alexandra. Um, and, and knowing that Akun is going to take this spirit with him when he becomes king and Ingrid Alexandra is going to take that spirit and remembrance and the emotions that this day brought out in her into her role uh, is to me hopeful um, just in that while not political they have very clearly stood against hate and xenoph xenophobia and all the things and they have stood against this, this nationalist idea of not allowing refugees into this wonderful country that Norway is um, they have flat out s said in their words and actions today like no this is not who we are um, and I think that's really powerful and really important so I just want to end on that tie it all up with um, a royal related bow not a pretty one it was an ugly day um, and just say please do some research on this um, if you can I strongly recommend there is a movie on Netflix that I did not know existed until today um, it's called 22 July and it is all about this event and it's in English it's on Netflix it is very accessible and it gives a wonder like a really good dramatized well maybe yes um it's i mean it's a it's a docupic it's based on the the event um it gives a very good overview plus is is good um of the whole event it will make you cry um or at least it made me cry um but it's super powerful and I would strongly recommend watching it. Um, so anyway, that is it for this uh, special focused episode. I will be posting regular content online um, on the website thedailyroyal.com and the Instagram account thedailyroyal. Um, you can see uh, pictures of these events that I'm talking about today as well as the other things that have happened today throughout the royal households. Um, I will be recording an episode probably on Sunday is my expectation. Um, there have been a couple of things that have happened today um, and then there will be some things at least on Sunday. I'm not sure what tomorrow looks like yet um, and won't know until it happens. Um, and so I'll just record on Sunday and um, we'll we'll talk more then but for now have a a wonderful weekend um and i will talk to you all on monday bye